Hey, beautiful people. Welcome to the BU Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Von Bretter. Hey, you guys. So I am just always so amazed by the conversations that I get to have with people. I love just hearing everyone's different stories and learning about like what success looks like to looks like to them and just you know how they're being themselves and how they're like loving their lives and I really hope that you guys are enjoying the conversations as much as I do and this week I'm just so excited to share this conversation that I got to have with Sarah Davidson she is the founder of Matcha Maiden and she is a podcast host of Seize the Yay she wrote a book called Seize the Yay and she is a lawyer turned entrepreneur and I just really enjoyed our conversation. We talk about just like what joy really looks like and what success looks like and happiness. And there's just so much that um, I got from this conversation and I think you guys are going to love it. So I hope you all enjoy and go seize the yay. Before we get into the show, I wanted to take a moment to share how I host my podcast using Anchor. It's free and easy to use. You can record and edit using your phone or computer, and then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. It's super easy to use, and they do the work for you. I highly recommend using Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on to the show. All right, Sarah. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast today. I am just really looking forward to talking to you about yourself and your book. But will you just will you tell us a little bit about yourself before we really get started? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It is such a pleasure and so amazing that we can do this from the other side of the world. Uh, I am from Melbourne, Australia which is where I am now. I started off as a lawyer and the best way to describe myself now is as a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur because I kind of do. I've gone from doing just one very clearly delineated thing to lots of random different things that changes every day. So I have my own podcast called Seize the Yay that has its own book now as of uh, the end of last year. We have a cafe called Matcha Milk Bar. We just sold uh, Matcha Maiden, which was the product-based business uh, based on matcha green tea powder, which was about six years old. And who even knows what else could come out of the next few years? I feel like everything's just totally up in the air at the moment. Yeah, I love it. I love that term, entrepreneur. That's <laughs> gonna have to start using that. <laughs> I feel like everyone just takes themselves so seriously. Like, you know, it's just such a world of like careers and success and titles. And I'm like, no, no, that's boring. I want to add some some of the yay. So yeah, I I have to introduce myself as fun entrepreneur. Yeah, I love it. And so, I mean, today we're really going to focus on your book, Seize the Yay, which I just love that title. Like as soon as I saw the title, I was just like, that's a book that I need. (laughs) Like I need more yay in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I think that is, it's like, that's the way that that name came about was that seizing the day is sort of what our society is all about, which is not a bad thing at all. We live in the most exciting time to be alive. You can you know, anyone can be anything, influence and business is totally democratized. The world is just your oyster, really. And it's so exciting. But because of that, I think we get this goal kicking mentality can kind of lead you down a path where all you think about is achieving Mm -hmm. and productivity, 
success and then you lose sight of whether you're actually enjoying your life or having any kind of anything that makes you have that like butterflies in your stomach feeling that can only be described by the word yay yeah and the, the publisher actually said like do you want to use such a juvenile word should you change it to something more I think the word they used was like more sensible and I was like have you read the book the whole point <laughs> is that we're not meant to be so serious all the time if it's a juvenile word it's because I want that inner child to stay alive yeah so tell me a little bit more about what does seize the yay mean so obviously it's based on the age-old carpe diem philosophy of seizing the day Mm -hmm. and it really represents the philosophy that I've ended up with uh, from my journey over the past you know sort of five to six years mainly but really my whole life and I think again we forget that we only end up where we are through many, many chapters, starting from the time that we're, you know, children. So Mm -hmm. tracing it back to the very beginning, I was actually born in an orphanage in South Korea and adopted into an amazing Australian family when I was five months old. So I have no memory of that time, nothing traumatic around that experience, but it did leave me with a really keen sense, even more than probably I naturally have as a like crazy A type person to make the most of this life that I've been given. And because I'm so aware of, you know, how different it could have been. Korea was a third world country at the time. Females didn't really get education. And I've been left with this, like, such a sense of gratitude that I have to say yes to everything. So I don't waste kind of my opportunities here, which meant that all through school, all through university, I did everything. I did all the really nerdy things. I also did art and sport and drama because I couldn't waste an opportunity. You know, I had to make the most of seizing the day. Mm -hmm. And that's actually, that's what led me into my legal career. I never hated it, but it definitely, people who know me now can see how ill-suited it was to my particular blend of creativity and nerdiness. And (laughs) I was so blinded to any other considerations except this looks good on the outside. That is Mm -hmm. pretty much how I made the decision was this is successful, this is sensible, this is stable, and this looks good. And why would you even ask anything else? Like, you know, I, I have a great life. I get to learn a lot and it's very comfortable. And obviously there's a quite a steep learning curve, but it does slow down after a while. And you always have a support network of partners and the senior associates to kind of support you. Yeah. And it was only, I think if, unless you're actively unhappy, you won't make a change, which means that if you're just blah and you're blinded by gratitude or just comfort, you won't necessarily ever step out of that. And so in law, I was fine. I actually thought it was a great job. And I never actually knew how much I was settling because I had never compared it to anything else. And it was only once a really happy accident, which we can get into, that led me into business and showed me what yay actually feels like and how what I was doing before was, it pales in comparison. It showed me that for 10 years, I had forgotten to even ask about joy. Mm. And it's alarming how long you can survive without joy But it's also horrific that you could even forget about your joy because you're not here to just work and die. And so I thought I really need to replace that seize the day with seize the yay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's like so much to that because I think so often 
people just get caught up in living their life and kind of doing what looks good, as you said, and, you know, uh, trying to accomplish goals that like other people are kind of accomplishing or setting for them and not really taking the time of like, am I actually enjoying this? Like, am I finding joy in this? And it is like kind of scary how we don't really ask ourselves that a lot. Um, but we just really have to be aware and take the time to like get real with ourselves of like, all right, is this really making me happy? And you know, like what needs to change? So yeah. And I think it's also, it's a very uh, unique part of our generation in particular, Mm -hmm. who has this sense of entitlement that you're supposed to be passionate about, about your work. Yeah. And we're very, very lucky that a lot of us are actually able to be passionate about our work, but that doesn't mean that that's what work is supposed to be. And I think, you know, in generations past, if you sort of asked, you know, farmers, if they love their job, they would just laugh at you. Like, well, I have to do it because I have to put, you know, food on the table for my family. Like work is, is, has all, it's called work for a reason. But right. so I don't think you're meant to, you know, be fulfilled and stimulated and passionate all the time. But I think you have to have it somewhere in your life. Like even if it's not necessarily in your job, I didn't even have hobbies on the outside. That was the problem. It's like sometimes you do just have to do a job because we have bills and the reality of life is that, you know, we do need to sort of have a livelihood. But even if that's, if it's, as long as it's not making you unhappy, it doesn't matter if you're not like obsessed with it all the time, but you do need to make time for joy on the weekends or when you get Mm -hmm. home at night and the problem is I wasn't even doing that either. So there was just no like leisure anywhere. And that's such a waste of life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and that is such a good point of, you know, cause it is always like, we're always like, do what you're passionate about and like find your purpose and stuff like that. But sometimes it doesn't have to be your career. doesn't have to be like where you're super passionate about and like where you find all of your joy and happiness and stuff. Like you do need outside things like hobbies and um, just like the things that make you happy outside of that. Cause yeah, work's a big part of our life, but I mean, not everyone is going to be in a job that they absolutely love and you can't just waste your time, you know, on the weekends. Mm. If you're like, if you're not enjoying your job and then like, you're not enjoying your weekends, like, yeah, what's the point? (laughs) And there are some people like fascinatingly to me, there are some people, particularly in the arts, like musicians or creatives who think that they have to turn their skill and their talent and passion into a job. Mm -hmm. But some of them, when they do make it full time and then suddenly you add a brief and a deadline and money and expectation, it kills the joy that they have in that activity. So sometimes your joy is supposed to be just for fun with no timeline or no like monetary value and it's just for your joy and in that case I think it's great that they don't make it their job and that you know sometimes they decide actively I just want to have a job nine to five that I don't really care about but that allows me to do the thing that I'm amazing at outside of that that's amazing yeah the most important thing that I think is that they chose that they didn't end up there by default because they just got swept away by momentum yeah and so take us back tell me when you like found your yay and really realized that you weren't having a lot of joy in your life like what happened what was the turning point 
Yeah, it um, always fascinates me so much because I was such a conventional, risk-averse, very certainty-based, non-spontaneous person back then, which I think also proves to me that you can totally change your values and your thinking patterns once you realize they're not very useful to you anymore. And so of all places, it happened in Rwanda, in Africa. And it's okay. because my, <laughs> I know, it's so random. My uh, now husband is a creative agent. Like he has his own creative agency and he's always had his own businesses. He likes to say that he's never had a job. And so he's mm-hmm. was diametrically opposite of me back then, but has been an incredible influence. And he had sponsored this big Australian charity that put a lot of funds toward us, towards a school in rural Rwanda. Mm-hmm. And we got to go on a sponsor's trip to visit the school and be there when they first installed Wi-Fi and help build another classroom. And we spent a month there and it was the most transformative experience, as you would imagine, yeah. but not in the way that I thought. I really thought, especially with an already quite acute sense of gratitude for what we have, mm-hmm. I, th- I thought I would get there and see extreme sparseness and just feel so grateful that we have technology and you know facilities and amenities and all these comforts that we have in the west yeah what I actually ended up seeing was a much more pure happiness in the children over there playing with a leaf for 12 hours Mm. than the pure than the happiness that I would see on kids back home who were playing with devices and were anxious and were like worried about getting more devices and like the newest device and and the adults would break into song spontaneously because they couldn't contain the joy in their bodies of seeing each other yeah and I'd never it was like I just never considered that success and happiness weren't the same and Mm -hmm. I kind of had to confront that these people didn't have success in the way that I understood it and yet they were happier than all the people that I knew yeah (laughs) and so that planted the seed of separating those ideas and thinking oh well I'm successful but I thought that equaled happy but where is my happy separately to that and that was the beginning of it all Mm -hmm. but I also came back with a gut parasite from just street food and being irresponsible with drinking the water and all that kind of reckless stuff you do when you're traveling and being a typical a-type I went straight back to work I ignored all the signs I lost five kilos to begin with which I thought was a great way to lose pounds like everyone should get (laughs) everyone should get a parasite and then I kept losing weight I lost another 10 kilos and I ended up um, passing out at work and not being able to go back actually for quite a few months because I totally burnt myself out into adrenal fatigue. Mm-hmm. And in that process, I was banned from coffee and had to really get acquainted with what actually looking after yourself is. And for me before that was eat a broccoli, go to a spin class at 5.30, tick. And I was so confused why that didn't make me healthy. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to learn like, you know, there's such a thing as pacing yourself and downtime and rest. But also I discovered matcha green tea as a form of caffeination that wouldn't give me the crash and the jitters that I would get from coffee. And that led to our first business, Matcha Maiden, because we couldn't find it anywhere, really. You could find it in Japanese grocers that weren't very trendy, but there was no sort of e-commerce, globally accessible, well-branded version at the time, even though 
um, like the Kardashians were drinking it. Um, Carly Kloss was drinking it. All these famous people were drinking it, but it was like sugar. It was generic. There was no branding. And we thought everyone knows what this is and they're drinking spirulina and it tastes like foot, but matcha <laughs> tastes nice. So surely there's a gap in the market for this. Yeah. And we just like took a risk and packed a whole heap by ourselves and genuinely thought it wouldn't go any further than a little hobby on an Etsy store that lasted a month, but let me write it on my LinkedIn that I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> and it took off. And then every year after that, it's kept growing has been a total surprise and totally confusing to us, <laughs> but has led to realizing that actually creativity and the dynamic, more fast paced nature of the business world is much more suited to me than a corporate context and I've started to seize my yay instead of just seizing the day yeah wow and I just love that like it always fascinates me to kind of look at people's stories and how they got there and I mean it's just like how things were kind of like lined up for you. Like you got to see that, you know, people in Rwanda were experiencing like pure happiness, like not having a device in front of them and just like, you know, having joy that they like wanted to sing and stuff. And then it's almost like your body was like, all right, well, she's not super getting that this is important. So like, let's give her a parasite <laughs> and <laughs> put her out of commission a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, totally, oh, she's still not getting it. <laughs> I definitely think the world will teach you something over and over until you learn it properly. Yeah. And so like, what about like starting um, Matcha Maiden? Like, what about that kind of brought you um, joy and like really made you start thinking about yay a little bit more? I think it was that looking back through, you know, all of my childhood, I had always been really academic, but I, the creative arts side of me was actually stronger. It always was. Mm. And I think now that I, you know, on my own podcast, I always trace back through people's childhood first. Most of us have a bit of a diversion for quite a while when we start, you know, making decisions based on expectations and other people's sort of idea of what life should look like. But yeah. inevitably we, we all come back to what suits us or we hope that most of us do come back to something that suits you rather than someone else. And that usually reflects what you used to do when you were a kid before you started changing the way you make decisions about life. Yeah. And so I think from pretty much the beginning when I was hand drawing the logos or writing the copy and designing the labels and even just creating a linguistically appealing way to tell the story and then as soon as we had customers, like that community building part where you actually get to reach out to new people and connect with them over something that's enhancing your wellness and that might spark an aha moment for you that maybe you don't need coffee. You know, all of those things are exactly where my strengths intersect with what I, I love. Mm. And I never knew that I loved those things in a job context because I'd never done them before. And I think that's another thing we do is we do one job forever. And then we're like, oh, you know, I just don't like other stuff. And you're like, well, you haven't tried other stuff. So how do you know that you don't like other stuff more than you like what you're doing? Yeah, I think it's so interesting how, you know, sometimes we have these like strengths and um, sometimes we don't even realize that 
what we're good at can be something that is like work because it's like, oh, it's too easy. Like that can't be work. <laughs> but it's totally. like, no, you're good at it. Like it, it can be, you know, what you do, which is awesome. Absolutely. And I think um, we also just, we're such creatures of comfort and we do like stability and certainty. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in this world, there's not a lot of that anyway. So I think it's like a good time for us to get used to uncertainty and like how when nothing is certain, anything is possible. Right. Um, but yeah, I think like the more that you try new different things, the more you'll figure out what you like and what you don't like. And some people go out and try lots of things and then come back to exactly what they were doing before. That's mm-hmm. amazing. That just means that you were right. Yeah. But at least you're choosing to be there rather than just being there because you've never tried anything else. Right, exactly. And so how did this, your experience with building your business and stuff, how did this turn into a book? Yeah, so <laughs> it's so random. So I think once I like left an environment where I was trained my whole job was to be risk averse to find everything that could go wrong and avoid it I had to like very quickly unlearn all of that and start to embrace a much more risk like a higher risk appetite and also a threshold for just throwing things out there and seeing what happens Mm -hmm. and once I kind of did that a few times and saw that nothing in the business world needs to be perfect you know like you can throw out a product get feedback in real time and tweak it and like constantly evolve and you know the whole idea of done is better than perfect or start before you're ready is so true yes I I realized what what I used to think was like one day we're going to arrive at this destination of like your perfect job and your perfect life and done and then you just enjoy that forever yeah (laughs) I realized everything is a chapter everything's like a stepping stone and maybe you're you're not even meant to get to anywhere. Maybe there is no like end of the staircase. Maybe it's just the journey of like different stepping stones will suit you at different times of your life when you're, you know, different ages or different phases or living in different places or whatever it may be. But as I realized, like Matcha Maiden was such a dramatic shift, like a complete life shift, a complete mentality shift. A year into that, I was so converted to like throwing things out to the wind that we started the cafe again with no experience and no expertise and no (laughs) background or qualifications. And that went really well. And so I just got really addicted to think of things that make you really uncomfortable, but that fill a gap and just do them. And then if they turn out not to fill a gap, then just don't do them anymore. But if they do, then just roll with it and see what happens. And so I started to realize rather than again, seeing my yay as like one big picture, I started to see it as just like a jigsaw puzzle that every new experience either adds new good pieces that you need or gets rid of pieces that aren't working anymore. And all my business partners in Matcha Maiden was my husband. And then we added two brothers who were the hospitality partners in the cafe. They were all men firstly, which was amazing, but I am super fluffy and really girly. (laughs) And like, I love the fluff and the rainbows. And I also love to talk about my period and why I can't do my job today because I've got period pain and yeah. 
you know, girls will all understand that and we'll have a teary moment together and a fluffy hug and then we're fine. And I like there was nowhere in my life that I could have those conversations about the not always only female, but typically female experiences mm-hmm. of self-doubt and imposter syndrome and burnout and identity and just the stuff that doesn't make, it's not appropriate for your business page, but it is the stuff that when I heard other people talk about it, that was what changed my belief that actually we all do that and I can get through it. Like mm-hmm. that was more impactful to me than hearing stories of when it went right. Right. So. <clears throat> The podcast came about for me because literally I identified that I wanted to have conversations about the gritty side of things. And I was mm-hmm. like, where do conversations live? Podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about them. It was two years ago when like it was becoming a much bigger platform, but still not really as easily accessible as like right now. There are a lot more guides on like how you do it and the equipment isn't as expensive and like I just had absolutely no idea, but in the spirit of just doing random stuff, I bought the equipment so that it would force me to then use it, which would then force me to find a guest, which would then force me to start. (laughs) So I started it in about a weekend, I think. And it was, you know, called Seize the Yay because that was the philosophy that I'd started to kind of craft. And I wanted to talk to other people about what their relationship was with success versus joy and how they had started to distinguish between the two, if at all, and then investigate the ways that success looks different on everyone. And so I did that for 18 months. And it, again, like, I think if you set out with no expectations, then everything is a bonus. So when it went well, (laughs) it was like amazing. (laughs) And the book deal came out of that. And again, like, you just never know what's going to come your way if you just throw stuff out there and like, what's the worst that can happen? You look silly for five minutes. If it doesn't work, most of the time, no one even notices anyway, but Mm -hmm. there's, if you think there's a chance that you will fail, then there must logically also be a chance that you would succeed. Yeah. Yeah. And I really love that. And I mean, I think that's something that like I am personally trying to work on right now is like taking more risks and just taking, you know, more action and seeing what happens rather than like, you know, debating about it for like weeks and like researching, like just, just like jumping in and doing it. And I think that it's like such a good point of that. If you, if you, there's a chance of failure, that there's an equal chance of success. But I think so many times we put too much pressure on like that failure part of like, oh, like what if I fail or what if I look stupid? And we put so much emphasis on that where it's like, well, what if we just give it a shot and try it? And then it might fill a need. It might be a lot of fun. Or if it doesn't, then like, oh, well, and like, you're the only one who's going to remember it. Like no one else is going to even remember like that you tried it probably. (laughs) Totally. Like, I think we assume that everyone else has a much higher interest in the nitty gritty of what our life is doing. (laughs) And I also think like people always talk about fear of failure. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true, but I actually think we should talk about the fear of public failure. Because if you knew that you could try something and fail and no one would ever know about it. I don't think anyone would be scared anymore. They wouldn't care. Yeah. It's that you get scared that you will look like a failure. Right. Yeah. That's such a good point. Um, and so about your podcast, 
I mean, I, I love the poem that you have in your podcast. It was in your book too. Would you mind saying it? I just feel like it like just really gives a sense of like who you are and like what to expect. (laughs) So, um, people call it my rap. It is definitely not a rap. It's just (laughs) me saying words. (laughs) But um, (laughs) I like, again, with the whole creativity thing, this is where, you know, I just get carried away with like writing a poem. And then I was like, you know, it had to rhyme and then it had to have a jingle. And, you know, I couldn't just say, welcome to my podcast. I had to obviously have a song. Yeah. So it's, uh, it goes, busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realize then there's more than one way. So here are some stories. Wait. So here are some stories to hear and explore the stories of those. Oh no. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad, the ugly, the best and worst days will bear all the facets of seizing their yay. Ah, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't said that in a long time. I was like, oh, I've forgotten how it goes. (laughs) I'm sure. (laughs) And I was like, put you on the spot. I was like, I want to hear you say it. (laughs) (laughs) It always comes out eventually. Like I've heard it so many times. The coolest thing now is when like I do a live event or something and like Mm -hmm. everyone else sings it. I'm like, how do you guys remember it? (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Yeah. And so I'm kind of just curious if like, I mean, you have this platform, Seize the Yay, and you wrote your book. And I mean, do you, is it hard for you to remind yourself to seize the yay? Or is it just like something that is just in your life now? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. It's built in, like, I kind of feel like one of the things that I do now is where I know that I'm not good at something or I'm prone to forget it. Like for example, even just downtime or Mm -hmm. like, you know, rest or meditation or exercise. If I know that I'm prone to not making good decisions, I build in things that help me like hack my own brain and and not make those bad decisions. So I think one of the things that I try and do to build like by by its nature my job is very focused on joy and yay Mm -hmm. and so it's it's easy to kind of make sure there's an element of that during the day and I do this little ritual every day where I find a happy quote I've been doing it since 2012 actually oh wow Um, yeah and that makes me at least dedicate like the time that it takes to find a happy quote and then the reflection on whatever that quote is for the day of like reflection on, you know, joy or um, whatever the theme of the quote is. Mm-hmm. But I think in any thing that you turn into a career or a pursuit, you do, the irony always is that it, whether it's joy or whether it's wellness or whether it's whatever, that you focus so hard on helping other people find those things and turning that into a job and building a community that yours goes down to the bottom of the list. So mm-hmm. I have definitely fallen into the ha- like trap of corporatizing what I do now and smashing myself to just achieve, achieve, achieve and have output and like double episodes per week and, you know, then a YouTube channel and write a book and more products. And that does then become just what I tried to walk away from where you're just on the productivity hamster wheel the whole time. Right. And 
uh, I think we all slip up in whatever we're trying to do, but it's just that you get better at noticing when you're doing it Mm -hmm. earlier and kind of like, you know, grabbing yourself before you go too far. And so again, I've built into my calendar, like a whole day of the week, Sunday, because Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a weekend on every time zone in the world. Right. That I, that is my day where I am not allowed to do anything related to CCA. Like I can do my own yay, but I can't edit (laughs) podcasts. I can't try and think of guests. I can't do any, like any, any emails or anything related. I can't even look at the CCA Instagram. Like I can't do work that day. It is purely for non-productive activities. And that is like in my calendar in the same color as a meeting so that every Sunday I treat it seriously and I don't try and double book other things like events or I don't record on that day. Like the only way to make sure I don't again slip into bad habits is just put it in your calendar as like a recurring appointment with yourself. And then that makes sure that that no matter what is going on in my life, that whole day has to be dedicated to pure joy. So like reading crime books or (laughs) playing with my dog or just pottering around the house and cooking or baking or gardening or like really manual, like analog activities that make me really happy. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, it's just kind of like almost reassuring in a way that like you still have to like put it in your calendar and like remind yourself, like, I can't do anything. Cause I'm sure it like comes <laughs> up of like, I want to, but like, no, I can't. Um, but I think it's good. Cause like, it's so easy to slip into like, you know, our old habits and just kind of like get back to what we're so used to. Um, but I mean, yeah, we have to be really intentional to actually like have that like self-care and find joy and seize the yay. Um, so like what impact do you hope that your book and your podcast has on the world? I guess above all, I have been so lucky and also, I mean, unlucky in the moment because the parasite was like not a fun experience, but Mm -hmm. lucky that there was a big sort of event that broke my autopilot circuit that kind of pulled me away from that irresistible momentum of just keeping going forward and progressing and climbing this ladder. And I really worry and sometimes get goosebumps thinking about if that hadn't happened, I'm not sure I ever would have come to those realizations all on my own. Like maybe I would have, but it could have been decades down the track before I one day just woke up really unhappy. And then, you know, like I said at the start, once you actively become unhappy, then you change, but it could take you a really long time to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And by then, you know, you've wasted like two or three decades just sitting in something that's blah, but missing out on what could be amazing. Mm -hmm. And I, I hope that in any of the conversations on the podcast or any of the chapters in the book, the big thing I would want my legacy to be is that it sparked a breaking of someone's autopilot circuit somewhere mm-hmm. that helped them get off that automatic progress and momentum and find a life that really makes them feel yay and excited. And even if that life is very similar to the one they have before, I don't mean spark a moment that makes everyone leave their job and start a business. (laughs) 
I just mean that wakes you up to making conscious choices about like, am I here because I want to be here or because I just ended up here because I didn't make a choice for 10 years. Right. I would love to be, to spark those moments of people realizing where the joy is missing and adding it back in. Because I think everything in the world is better when people have joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And, and yeah, you're right. Like it doesn't have to be like this, like big shift where you like drop everything and start a business, but just like a small shift in your mindset and like, in how you do things and finding that joy. Cause that, you know, just has such a huge impact on your life and your happiness and yeah. How you want to spend your time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, how has being yourself led to your success? Oh my gosh, such a, a great question. I think you can have success by being someone else, mm-hmm. but it's not sustainable success because inevitably like by choosing a life and making decisions based on other people's values or other people's skills or other people's ideals about life. And I don't even mean specific other people, just like general societal views of stuff yeah it's really tiring and it's really it is a suppressor of joy and energy I think to be constantly living a life that doesn't necessarily align with who you are and I I see in every single chat I've over 150 conversations now I've had on the podcast that's like over 150 hours of talking to people from like Gary V and Mark Manson to zookeepers and undercover cops and commanders and stay-at-home moms and teachers. Most people have gone from being exactly who they are as children mm-hmm. and then straying sometimes very far away from that as they go into like the first years of work, their working lives and your 20s and early 30s is like so much angst about like other people's ideals of success and what you should be in progress and then they often come back to like actually that's not who I am and it's hard to even it's hard to be you when you don't know who that is because you do spend a lot of your 20s figuring out what that is I feel like by your 30s you've kind of figured out what that is and then you can actually start making decisions to come back closer to a life that suits who you are and even just looking at the titles of people who I've interviewed it's so clear that we are not all suited for the same life structure. We are not all suited for the same jobs, the same partnership structures, the same countries, the same pace of life. Like we're so different. And the minute you start to actually pay attention to what you like and what makes the life that makes you thrive the most, Mm -hmm. success comes naturally rather than trying to like do it the other way around where you search for success and you'll mold yourself to whatever gets you there, that doesn't last because you'll have a, you know, you'll burn out, you'll have a breakdown or you'll just be unhappy or you won't even realize that you're unhappy until it's too late. Right. But if you get yourself right and you start to pay attention to the only person's data that actually matters in decision-making, which is your own reaction to things, whether you feel good or bad when you do something, which is alarming how much we don't listen to that information, even though we have that information. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Success and happiness follow from that. So if you look, if you do that first and be yourself first, decisions become a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. And I mean, that's 
I'm all about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think like your podcast represents everything that I think is my biggest learning is that the best thing you can be is yourself. Mm-hmm. And every minute that you're not yourself, you're living your life for someone else, for some like, again, not sometimes it's someone specific, like your parents or your boss or whatever. Sometimes it's just for someone else's norms, who's this like nameless person out in society who sets ideas of what we think success looks like, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, all you need to listen to is what your body and what your mind says to each experience in your life and learn from that. And it, you'll get to fulfillment and happiness so much quicker than if you do it the other way around. Yeah, I totally agree. And where can people, you know, find your podcast and connect with you and get your book and oh my all gosh. your awesomeness? <laughs> I live on the internet. So everywhere. <laughs> no. The main place is probably Spoonful of Sarah on Instagram. That's where everything else is linked. So um, you can get the book, you can get the podcast, you can get the cafe, everything's there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I think you just have such a great story and I can't wait to see like what else is in your future. Like I wanted to get into like, you know, like what's next for you and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I could talk to you for, you know, about so many other things. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And again, that's totally my fault. I, of all the things I'm good at having a a quick chat or giving a quick answer is not my strong point. I talk so much. (laughs) Well, I love it. You had a lot of great things to share. So it was great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the BU podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and write me a review. I would love to hear from you. And you can find me on Instagram at beautifulchick or on my website, beautifulchick.com. Remember, be you, be beautiful.